The Ghost of Eugene Aram by Henry A. Herring. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ghost of Eugene Aram by Henry A. Herring. At that time I was engaged on my well-known work on dreadical vestiges. I wanted absolute seclusion in which to arrange my notes and write my book, and I cast about for a suitable place. I was fortunate enough to hear of an ideal spot in the heart of the broad-acred country, on the fringe of the moors and the dales, and within easy access of York withal. The house was picturesque in itself and in its position. It was situated on the edge of the great reservoir that had just been made for some distant town. It was the old manor-house of the district, and had been saved from destruction by the pleading of local antiquarians. It now stood on a little peninsula jutting into the lake, and it took my fancy at first sight. On three sides was water, on the fourth a delightful old English garden of sunflowers, box-trees, and yews. It was, I say, an ideal place for my work. The engineer had lived there for the past five years, superintending the building of the works, and when I looked over the house he was busy packing up his belongings. I naturally asked him how he liked the place, and if there were any special disadvantages connected with it. To the first question he replied that he liked it uncommonly. To the latter he did not reply at all. I pressed for an answer, and he reluctantly admitted there was a special disadvantage, and then he added inconsequently that possibly I might call it an attraction. "'My dear sir,' I replied, "'if I take this house I shall be here twelve months at least, and if I find anything objectionable about the premises it will totally upset my plans. I think you ought to give me full particulars. You really ought to be candid with me.' well said the engineer the fact is the house is haunted by the ghost of a local celebrity i didn't mind it when i got used to it but at first i objected to it considerably and possibly you might never get to like it i do object to ghosts i answered and i don't think i should ever get used to one far less ever grow to like it what form does this one take it is the ghost of eugene arum he replied he was born near here and lived for some time in the house. I have never heard of anyone else seeing the appearance and haven't spoken about it to anyone but you. The thing only came when I was alone. I didn't relish its presence at all at first, but I grew to like it. You see, I was very lonely here. Most of my spare time I've had nobody but my dog with me and the evenings are long. It's wonderful how you take to a ghost under such conditions. A man, a dog, and a ghost get on uncommonly well together in the country when they understand each other. Besides, Aram is wonderfully well informed. He isn't a chain-clanking ghost, he's a man of talent. A murderer, I believe. I'm afraid so. Aram swears he isn't, but the best of us might do that under the circumstances. However, he's quite harmless now, and, frankly speaking, I'm sorry to leave him. I carefully thought over the matter and finally decided to take the place, despite the incubus attached. The engineer was a man of education and taste, and if he could stand the ghost for five years, I ought to be able to bear the infliction for one. Besides, it would be an experience. 
so I fixed up the tenancy, moved books and furniture there, and commenced my work. For the next two months I was so busy arranging my voluminous notes that I had little time for anything else, but when at last I got them into order and had fairly started my book, I thought a little relaxation advisable. I found this in returning the friendly visits of my neighbours. Only one of the latter interested me, and that on account of his valuable library. Mr. Lee had no literary tastes himself, and he smiled at my enthusiasm about his possessions. These were at once a delight and a sorrow to me, for they had been horribly neglected. This was particularly the case with the manuscripts, which were mottled and foxed with mildew, and thickly coated with the dust of ages. It was pitiable to see them in this condition. Illuminated missiles had long since lost their colouring and the Greek, Latin, Saxon, and other manuscripts were fast becoming undecipherable. Many of them were so already. They were evidently spoils of the demolition of the neighbouring monastery, and the best preserved, and to me the most interesting, was the diary of a priestly peeps of the fourteenth century, old abbey accounts, that would scarcely have borne an auditor's scrutiny, and a bundle of monkish love-letters, no doubt, mere theoretical exercises to an imaginary divinity, but evincing undoubted genius in the Ars Amatoria. Mr. Lee let me ferret at will among these treasures, and from them I hoped to get enough material for several magazine articles. This research afforded a pleasing intermission to my juridical work, which progressed apace. I well remember the evening of the day in which I completed the first chapter of my book. I was walking about my room, declaiming from the manuscript in my hands. As I ended, expressions of applause came from the fireside. I looked up in astonishment. There, sitting in the chair, was the ghost of Eugene Aram. Owing to its non-appearance, I had long since put this down to be a hallucination of the engineer and I don't mind admitting I was startled when actually confronted by the apparition. However, I tried not to show this, and had sufficient presence of mind to reply to its applause with a casual, I'm glad you like it. I do. It's interesting, remarkably interesting, Mr. Smilax, said Aram. You've a pretty talent for original research. Thank you, I modestly replied. Did you ever do anything in that direction? A little, just a little. I discovered a European affinity in Celtic roots, as possibly you remember. I can't say that I do, I replied. Such a fame, sighed Aram. Nevertheless, I assure you that my discovery gained me some little distinction among the savants of my day, just as your own theories will no doubt do for you. I hope you will meet with greater recognition from posterity, he added politely. Then in a harsh voice. Will you kindly tell that dog of yours to stop his hideous noise? Carlo, with bristling hair, was growling ferociously. Down, sir, down, be quiet, I commanded, but Carlo wouldn't. For the first time in his life he disobeyed me, and I was obliged to turn him out of the room. Aram was evidently annoyed at his reception, for on my return to the room he said stiffly, your dog, sir, seems less well-behaved than that of your predecessor. In my own day, a cur that snarled at a gentleman was, 
what happened under those particular circumstances was not forthcoming for my housekeeper entered at that moment with sugar and hot water and the ghost faded into nothingness before she was in view carlo followed at her heels sniffing uneasily and evidently upset by recent events from that short and inauspicious interview began my acquaintance with eugene aram's ghost an acquaintance that ripened into something approaching a friendship and which threatened at one time to have a most disastrous influence on my career from that night forward aram regularly put in an appearance whenever i was alone and it grew to be a matter of course for me to find the intangible shade of the departed murderer seated opposite like the engineer i soon got used to it and would have regretted its absence but carlo never got over his first feelings of repugnance and nightly i had to eject him from the room aram was indeed a wonderfully well-informed man his knowledge of the classics was remarkable in a weak moment i agreed to rub up my homer with him and he led me at a gallop through the iliad but he was altogether too deep and enthusiastic a linguist for me and our first coolness arose through my objecting to learn hebrew you'll be sure to find it useful sometimes smilax said aram i simply haven't room for it in my head and i've no wish to learn it either i replied firmly if you'd prefer celtic or arabic i should be just as pleased to teach you he urged or we could take up chaldee i don't wish to appear ungrateful aram i answered but i can't do anything of the sort i'm not good at languages i only agreed to homer to please you and i don't understand half we read aram sighed regretfully there's little love of pure learning in these days he said i wanted to read caesar's commentaries with the engineer but he used unnecessarily expressive language and flatly refused i hoped better things of you a man of literary tastes i felt i had behaved somewhat unhandsomely and the next night i strove to make amends by my sympathetic attention to his version of his domestic troubles pecuniary difficulties and all the events that culminated in his trial and sentence he was so singularly able in his manipulation of facts and so plausible in their interpretation that he left me firmly convinced that if ever an innocent man was hanged that man was eugene aram it was about a month after his first appearance that conversation turned upon mr lee's manuscripts and the disgraceful state in which they were what a pity it is they don't belong to you said aram after a pause lee couldn't appreciate them if he tried and he doesn't even do that well things are a bit unequally distributed i admitted don't you think intelligent men should try to remedy the inequality continued aram if i were flesh and blood i should certainly try to do so in this particular instance what do you mean i asked what i said replied aram as he faded away i went to bed that night thinking over his words yes it was a pity a great pity those priceless manuscripts should belong to a country squire who didn't even look after them what loving care would i not give to them did they belong to me but now they were absolutely rotting away if they were mine i and so musing i fell asleep the next day i had arranged to run over to the grange to continue my excerpts from the manuscripts never had they seemed so forlorn 
i was gingerly handling one time-stained piece saxon it seems to me from the faint indications of writing that were discernible and mentally i anathematized its owner a confounded shame isn't it said a familiar voice i looked around and in the daylight saw the dim outline of arum now if i were you i should take that home where you can clean it up and restore it and investigate it at your leisure it looks like a valuable original you could bring it back any time he spoke so naturally and plausibly that i only saw the reasonableness of his suggestion i could as he said easily take it away and clean it and investigate it at home aram's help would be invaluable mr lee was away so i couldn't ask his permission but i would tell him what i had done next time i saw him and he was too good-natured to consider i had taken a liberty well perhaps you are right i said to aram as i put the manuscript carefully in my pocket i fancied i heard a sort of chuckle from the ghost but on facing aram it appeared he was suffering from a severe cold that evening was spent by me in removing as best i could the deposit of centuries from the manuscript and by restoring the writing from a recipe of arbums smilax said the latter after an hour's careful and eager examination of what was thus disclosed you've got a find here and no mistake it's eleventh century or early twelfth and it seems to be a continuation of the saxon chronicle a northern continuation as one can see from the verbal inflections it's a find that will perpetuate your name or should i say lees he added unkindly but this is only a fragment you must bring the other sheets and we'll work together at them you'll have to throw over the druids till we've done it nonsense i replied what if it is as you say this is only a philological curiosity you can't expect me to throw over my work for it i'm hanged if i do aram winced i don't think it very kind of you to make that remark smilax he said if you knew what hanging meant you would not talk about it so lightly i'm sorry if i hurt your feelings aram i rejoined but i don't think you had any right to ask me to give up my work for something more congenial to your tastes well perhaps there will be no need for you to do so he went on but i hope you'll help me with this chronicle in the evenings it will be the first bit of real work i've done for a hundred and forty years and it will be a contribution to history aram spoke so feelingly and his object seemed so laudable that with very little persuasion i agreed to his suggestion and each time i went to the grange i brought away with me a further portion of the manuscripts much of them was hopelessly illegible but there still remained enough that could be deciphered to occupy aram with the evenings of three months and i took down his translation i remember very well meeting mr lee on his return i had part of the precious chronicle in my pocket just abstracted from his collection somehow there didn't seem an opening for telling him about it at any rate i said nothing i told aram that i hadn't mentioned the matter to mr lee and he agreed that it was quite unnecessary to do so mankind is never corrupted at once villainy is progressive and declines from right step by step till every regard of property is lost and every sense of moral obligation perishes so said aram at his trial and i can from my own experience vouch for the accuracy of his statement so far as it affects the purloining of old english manuscripts
piece by piece i transferred the chronicle from mr lee's possession to my own there only remained two more to bring when one night i said jokingly to Aram, now suppose lee came upon me just as i was pocketing one of these things what would you advise me to do kill him said Aram. i stared at him in horror you'd have me commit murder i said at last that's it he replied and you'd do it well you're a man after my own heart he was just a little premature i hadn't progressed quite so far in villainy as that perhaps in another week i might have been ready but i wasn't just then aram's speech thoroughly aroused me to the seriousness of the situation for the first time i realized that he was slowly dragging me to perdition by his insidious suggestions i was now a thief possibly a confirmed thief but there was still time to save myself from worse i thought it all out and before i went to sleep i had taken two resolves to make restitution and to get rid of aram it's simply amazing how easy it is to be good if you only try i just walked over to lee's the next morning with a parcel under my arm i've been cleaning these manuscripts of yours i said opening the parcel and showing them i took them to my place to do and i hope you don't mind not at all mr smilex said lee cheerfully you can have them if they're any good to you you don't mean it i gasped why man it's a continuation of the saxon chronicle if it had been the sporting chronicle i could have appreciated it smilex said lee as it isn't i'll pass it on to you for you seem to get more amusement out of those rags than i should have thought possible i was simply overwhelmed by the gift and to think that aram had actually suggested murder for its possession aram said i that night there'll be no need for me to kill mr lee he has given me the manuscripts then all i can say is that he's just about as big a fool as you if such a thing were possible said aram and then he relapsed into moody silence from that night one thought surged uppermost in my mind aram must go before he led me into fresh mischief but how to get rid of him i dared not suggest he should leave the place for i knew he would stick more closely to it than ever if he saw i wanted him to go i don't mind admitting that previous to my meeting with aram i had given very little attention to ghosts i had even doubted the existence of such things but i could do so no longer when i was in nightly communion with one naturally my interest in the whole question of post-mortem appearances was aroused and i had resolved to go fully into the matter as soon as the druids were off my hands in the meantime i had sent for a few psychical books magazines and pamphlets and had discussed them with aram i now turned to this literature to see if it afforded me any escape from the ghost there was an article on exorcism that interested me but i hesitated at the services of a professional exorcist except as a last resort as i did not wish to make the matter public property then there was a column or two on incantations i tried a few of the simpler formulae prescribed but they did not act they only served to irritate aram who got the impression it was some juridical right i was practising upon him in the general matter of these numbers there seems to be nothing that would be of immediate use to me in my difficulty but among the advertisements one in particular attracted my attention psyche and co ghost and spectre purveyors 
it ran. Mansions haunted at moderate cost. Large stock of ghosts kept. An assorted batch of crusaders just to hand. Send for catalogue. Note. Good price is given for ghosts of repute. Exchange is effected. My heart lightened as I read this singular advertisement. Here, it seemed to me, was a possibility of relief. I had a ghost of repute, and if only Psyche and co. would take charge of him, I might rid myself of the incubus. Might even be a monetary gainer by the transaction, judging from the terms of the advertisement. I wrote at once to the firm in question, and in due course came this reply. Archipelago Street, Soho. Dear Sir, in reply to your favour of yesterday's date, we are willing to purchase the ghost of the late E. Aram Esquire from you if you can satisfy us as to its authenticity. As we are rather overstocked with eighteenth-century revenants at the moment, we cannot offer you more than twenty-five guineas for its possession. Should you accept our terms, a representative will at once wait upon you to effect the removal desired. We are, dear sir, faithfully yours, Psyche and Co. Agree to the terms? Of course I would. I wrote off, accepting them, by that day's post, and then anxiously awaited the arrival of the firm's representative. He was a little man with large eyes, sharp nose, thin lips, and pallid cheeks. He seemed to be a smart businessman, and thoroughly up in his calling. I expect to have no difficulty at all in removing Mr. Aram, he said in reply to my first question. I have taken the trouble of making myself acquainted with his interesting career, and I think I can offer him an inducement to transfer. I suppose you will have to arrange the details personally with him? I queried. Certainly, and as soon as possible. You say he appears nightly. If you will tell him this evening that I specially desired to make his acquaintance, of course saying nothing about my object, you will probably be able to arrange an interview. I have no doubt whatever of the result of one. I will stay in my bedroom till you call me down. Aram, said I at a later hour, a friend of mine has come today from London who is particularly desirous of meeting you. Have you any objection to his joining us now? I thought I would ask your permission. Just considerate of you, Smilax, sneered Aram. Who is he? Then he added suspiciously, I don't absolutely object to you, but I might to your friends. Well, if you don't like him, you can uh, fade away, I replied. But I think you'll take to him. Try him on my recommendation, anyway. Well, said Aram, after a moment's reflection, you can show him in, but no tricks mind, or you'll suffer for it. It was certainly high time I got rid of Aram. He had never threatened me before. I called for Mr. Vigo, who entered and was introduced. The conversation began with the weather and the state of the crops. Finally, Vigo said, Mr. Aram, perhaps your friend hasn't told you why I am here. The fact is, I want you to better your position. A ghost of your European celebrity is simply wasted here. I know a place where you would be heartily welcomed and appreciated in a manner befitting your eminence. Ah, said Aram suspiciously. I may as well be frank with you, continued Vigo. I'm the representative of Psyche and Co. of London, who deal in articles, a uh, gentleman like yourself. 
i know you said aram i've heard of you from friends and it's little i know to your advantage you make a good thing out of your employees and yet you keep them short of pocket money and make em be in at dusk every night they're off duty you are misinformed mr aram said vigo earnestly i assure you that any such obnoxious rules have long since been cancelled by our firm if it were a question of hours or pocket money i'm sure we should be able to satisfy you however i'm not wanting you to join our stock i think i've got a permanent billet for you and one that will suit you down to the ground one of her majesty's judges mr justice dormer a hanging judge as they call him has just bought a fine old mansion in devonshire and his wife wants a ghost for it she has applied to us herself for one as his lordship does not approve of the idea now if you would take up your residence there you would oblige a lady and have splendid opportunities for annoying one of her majesty's judges a hanging judge i think i said i believe you have no special reason to like them mr aram aram's eyes brightened you're right sir i haven't he said i'll admit you have taken my fancy by what you propose one of that kidney caused me a lot of temporary inconvenience and cut short a very promising career i'd like to take it out of another king's bench queen's bench corrected mr vigo aram glided up and down in visible excitement i should be sorry to leave you smilax he said stopping suddenly oh don't mind me i put in hastily we were getting to know each other uncommonly well mr vigo said aram and i was anticipating a merry time this coming christmas but hang me sir your offer suits me better smilax is only a poor soul after all i think i could do better with a hanging judge i'll go my joy at this announcement almost overcame my politeness and it was with difficulty i could fittingly express my regret at losing him you'll write soon i said mechanically vigo will no doubt said aram grimly and if i don't take to the job i shall come back hurry up the druids smilax and don't forget the chronicle why there are those last sheets i must stay to finish no no i cried i can do them quite well myself if i get stuck i'll let you know through mr vigo and you can run over for an odd evening well said aram doubtfully perhaps that will do but if you make a mess of that translation i'll either haunt you myself or put a friend up to the job stapleton manor devon did you say vigo i'll be there to-morrow night if the wind settles good-bye smilax don't fret and the ghost of eugene aram slowly faded out of sight a fortnight later i heard from psyche and co that aram had taken up his quarters in stapleton manor much to the judge's indignation a cheque for twenty-five guineas was enclosed in the letter i now had leisure to resume my work on the druids i finished the book during the last week of my tenancy and then i took a well-earned holiday chiefly on the strength of psyche's cheque for from a monetary point of view the druids were not satisfactory i was in algiers when i read the following in the atlas it is with extreme regret we have to announce the retirement from the bench of mr justice dormer who has recently evinced undoubted signs of klepto and even homicidal mania the matter was brought before the notice of the lord chancellor who at once recognized that only one course was open 
it is deeply to be regretted that the once brilliant intellect of mr justice dormer should have given way under the strain of official work and we can only hope that the pure air and quiet seclusion of his devonshire estate will ultimately restore him to his former mental vigour i was sorry for mr justice dormer very sorry but he really ought to have had enough moral strength to resist aram's insidious promptings his case was indeed hopeless if his friends were relying on the devonshire seclusion to effect a cure i published the translation of the english chronicle in due course it created quite a little sensation and my friends considered it unaccountable modesty on my part that on the title-page was translated from the original manuscripts by e a now for the first time will they understand that in this i only did justice to a brilliant though unscrupulous scholar End of the Ghost of Eugene Aram